Hello, and welcome to What's the Big Idea? I'm your host, Andrew Whitmire. What's the Big Idea is brought to you by Destination Imagination, the leading creative problem-solving experience for children. Learn more at destinationimagination.org. On today's episode, we are pleased to welcome Gabrielle Gay. Gabrielle Gay is an education activist, influencer, and law student from Barbados. When she was just 13 years old, her love of reading inspired her to form the Gabrielle Gay Award for Excellence in Reading and Literary Mentorship, which was runner-up for the prestigious Queen's Young Leaders Award. Gabrielle is a national public speaking champion, a World Literacy Foundation ambassador, and the founder of FemSTEM Cohort, which launches in September 2021. Joining us today from Barbados, please welcome Gabrielle Gay. Hello. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you to the entire team of Destination Imagination. It is truly just an honor to be here and, you know, to represent my country, to work of Barbados, and just to represent education, you know, globally here in this interview. I'm excited. Awesome. Yeah, we're so excited to have you too. Um, so, Let's just jump right in. Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and sort of a little bit about what you do in Barbados? Okay, so as you correctly said, I am from the sunny, beautiful islands of Barbados in the Eastern Caribbean. I am a third year law student, um, world literacy ambassador, uh, founder of the Gabrielle Gay Award for Excellence in Reading and Literacy Mentorship Program. And as you also correctly said, we are pivoting now to include STEM into our purview, our program and our foundation's purview, uh, where we also, we not only support literacy, but we also support STEM, particularly for women, young women of primarily of color, but young women overall. So that is a quick snapshot of what I do and what I'm up to. And of course, a social media influencer as well, because I reach over 200,000 people weekly and I use Use that attention and that traction online to promote positivity and good for all. Love that. That is incredible. And so you actually started your award at a really young age, at 13, when you yourself was were still a, a young, a youngster, a student. Um, you know, what at that time made you um, look around and say, this is something that is really needed right now. And this is something that I am passionate about. And this is something that I want to make, make a difference in what made you, you know, start that award at such a young age. Okay. So I have always like literally always been a voracious reader, just love the consumption of all things literature. And I, recognize that my contemporaries at that time, they weren't as excited about education and reading as I was. And even at such a young age, I recognized that everyone learned differently. So there were persons like myself who were intrinsically motivated to read and discover more about the world around me and different things like that. But then there were other children who didn't have that intrinsic love 
but it could be nurtured if it was, you know, presented in a different fashion. So for me, I just sat on my bed. I was talking to my mother. Hey, mom. <laughs> she is the co-founder of the award program, Mrs. Margaret Gay. And I was talking to her and I said, you know, mom, I just feel terrible that other kids don't like to read as much as I do. And we have our teachers, you know, they're constantly, you know, proverbially like beating them over the head of the book, like read, read, read. And it's not working. You know, it's really not working. So how about Eureka Moment award them for it? <laughs> you know, like how about we just take this out of the context of it being drudgery and being some type of like menial academic labor. How about we say, we'll reward you for it. This is something fun. And we'll pair literacy with mentorship where we then also take into consideration, you know, the character building, leadership skills, and all the things that are required to make, you know, fantastic adults and really contribute to the moral fiber of society. So that's where it came from. You know, I've always been an old soul <laughs> and my parents have always nurtured that, especially my mom. She's always nurtured that from a very young age. And with that support system, that's how I was able to get started. So, you know, at the time, I actually started with my allowance. You know, no, I'm not rich or anything like that. I'm not rich at all. But things were a little bit cheaper back then. <laughs> so I patiently, patiently saved up my allowance and I bought five little awards and we started in five schools. And then what would happen is that every time we would have a mentorship session or, you know, because the awards are presented at the graduation ceremonies, then other parents like from other schools and, and persons who came to support that particular school at that time would come to me and they would say, okay, so why is this not at our school? We want this at our school. And that's how it just organically exploded across the intellectual landscape to where now we support, mentor, you know, reward and lift over a hundred thousand students across the globe. Wow. That is an incredible scope, uh, 100,000 students being touched by your program. So can you share a little bit with um, our audience just how uh, your program works um, with with students? Um, is it is it teachers who, who work directly as as mentors um, for for like the remedial readers or are they parents or how how does um how do you actually sort of reach uh, your participants? Okay, thank you. That's an amazing question, Andrew. So basically it's a multi-level program. So I'll break it down. So the teachers actually select the actual awardees, the teachers select them because what's really unique about our program is that we actually have a dual criterion. So there's the academic side, but what's really cool is that there is a moral criteria as well. So that can look like, you know, punctuality, attendance. The children must not be bullies. You know, these students should not be seen as bullies or known to be bullies 
in the school system, because of course, that's something that is really important. That's something that is really affecting our students. And, you know, as much as possible, you know, I don't want any of our awards to glorify that, you know? So the teachers are really key because they're the ones that are in the schools with the children, you know, over eight hours every single day. And also we wanted to eliminate any type of bias, you know, so I don't do any selection with regards to the actual awardees. Those are selected by the principals and the teachers of schools. So with regards to the mentorship side of things, it's dual. So we actually work hand in hand with the teachers and staff of the various schools. And then we partner with incredible organizations such as, you know, uh, Giving Tuesday um, here in Barbados, the Barbados Police Force, um, the Central Bank of Barbados. Uh, we've partnered with so many incredible institutions. And what we do that is that we actually go into the schools and have these sessions at assembly time where all the students are gathered and we instill, you know, uh, leadership skills. We talk about the same things like how to avoid being a bully or how to speak up if you're being bullied. Um, We talk about how to foster reading. We talk about how to foster a love for education and philanthropy organically and how that process works. And then outside of that, we also partner with learning psychologists as well, accredited learning psychologists, so that if parents notice that, you know, there, there are some issues with regards to their children and reading, they can actually come to us and we have a list, a short list of shortlisted, sorry, um, learning psychologists who we recommend and then parents can have that direct conduit to diagnosing those issues because sometimes it's not even that the child does not want to read is that there may be a learning challenge a genuine learning challenge going on that the parents probably did not diagnose on their own so that's how it works because we run from the primary uh, or elementary you guys would call it in america all the way up to college and university all of these various students then have a fully rounded and holistic environment to be the best students that they can be. So that's how the program works. Wow. That's it. So your, your, your award is actually doing, you know, triple duty in, in a way. Yes. So, so it's, it's, it's not only recognizing high achieving readers through a teacher uh, chosen sort of recipients, but it's also engaging students who are sort of falling behind with remedial reading opportunities. And then on top of that, which I actually didn't realize um, until just now, is that you also have professional development, it sounds like, for teachers and parents and communities to actually be supportive of these students. Yes. Um, to, to sort of achieve, you know, not only their literacy goals, but also to achieve some of these higher order thinking um, and and sort of more lofty goals that go beyond Correct. just literacy, right? Absolutely. So why why literacy? Why did you start with literacy versus maybe any other sort of topic? Well, you know, there's science and there's math and history and you know, other things. Why literacy? Why was that um, sort of the, 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 the 
central sort of nucleus of of important uh, subject area for you to to focus on? Well, you see, the thing is, when I really analyzed all the subjects, you know, academic subjects that we have, we have to be literate. We have to be able to mm-hmm. understand and comprehend concepts accurately to do any subjects. So if you don't have the requisite comprehension skills, you can't even do math because let's let's take mathematics, for example. So let's say, for example, John has four apples. <laughs> if it takes two apples away, how many apples does John have? How much is he left with? If you aren't literate, if you don't have, you know, those critical thinking skills and comprehension skills, you can't understand the question to begin with, even before you get to the mathematical uh, mathematical formula to actually subtract and, and try to figure out how to approach the question. You can't approach it if you don't understand it to begin with. So reading and comprehension is critical. Even let's take it to uh, chemistry, physics, you know, to learn the different names of minerals and, and compounds and all these things are words, right? That have mm-hmm. then to be applied to the particular formula. So if you don't understand what hydrogen is, or you don't understand what oxygen is because you don't know the word, then you quite literally cannot do the formula. So literacy <laughs> right. is at the base of every single academic subject that we have in this world today. So the key is to get the comprehension and the literacy on point and accurate and then everything else. Like that is the river from whence everything else flows. So that's why it was important for me to start and have literacy and comprehension as the genesis for all of the education efforts that we've done. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Really, you know, (laughs) I loved what you said. Um, literacy being the river whence everything flows that essentially what you're saying is if you can read, if you can comprehend, if you can understand, uh, what is being given to you, you know, on a, on a, you know, a piece of paper, then all of the other subjects open up to you, you know, the basically are putting a key into a lock and then turning it. Um, and literacy is the key. Right? Absolutely. Let's take a break. Hey, it's been a bit of a year. If you've got young people in your life, you're looking for ways to combat learning loss and keep kids excited about education. We hear you. Destination Imagination has your back. Download our free guide of STEAM activities you can do at home or in the classroom. These activities are hands-on ways to reinforce what your kids are learning. Download this fun, free resource by visiting destinationimagination.org slash the big idea. Welcome back to What's the Big Idea? We are chatting with Gabrielle Gay about um, her experiences um, as an education activist. And we were just chatting about her, the Gabrielle Gay Award for Excellence in Reading and Literacy Mentorship. And uh, Gabrielle, one thing I wanted to really ask you about is your program recently received a very special award um, 
it was highly commended as a runner-up for the Queen's Young Leaders Award in 2018, which for those of you who may not know, is given by Queen Elizabeth II and the Queen's Advisory Council to Young Leaders in the Commonwealth. So congratulations first on uh, receiving this this specific award yourself and and for the program. Um, And I'm curious to know what what was that like? What was that process like? to, to receiving it? Did you know about it before it happened? Was it a surprise? And, and what does it mean um, now that you have received this commendation? Okay, thank you. So, you know, it wasn't a surprise because actually I found out about the actually knowledge of it wasn't a surprise for me because I actually found out about the opportunity on my own because I spend a lot of time, you know, searching the internet, looking for, you know, just further opportunities to grow, to expand, and to collaborate. You know, being from beautiful but very small island of Barbados, there are certain limitations that come with regards to access to resources. So I'm always seeking to, you know, use, as I said, use the internet for good to locate and to find other opportunities to do better and to improve. So I came across the call for Queen's Young Leaders across the world. And it was the last cohort ever that they were looking for. And I said, okay, I'm going to, you know, input my details. I'm going to tell them about my program and we will see how it goes. Honestly, I went into that with radical faith. Thank you, Lord. Um, I wasn't really sure what to expect Um, because of course they said you are essentially competing against a friendly competition, of course, against youth leaders from across the entire Commonwealth. So every single continent of the world. So I'm like, okay, I sent in and I prayed about it and I left it alone. (laughs) So one day I literally, quite literally opened my inbox, my email inbox, and I see an email from the Queen's Advisory Council and they want to have a conversation with me about my application and that I was successful. Now, at first, no lie. I was a little, I was like, is this, am I hacked? (laughs) Like how often do you get, you know, an email from the queen and her advisor council? So I said, okay, uh, I know I'm not hacked because I entered, but it was just such a surreal moment. So of course I responded, you know, so much gratitude. I was so humbled. And then of course I accepted and that's how it came to be. So, you know, it was surreal on many levels because it's the first time ever um, in history that Barbados, an education program from Barbados was honored by the queen. So from a patriotic point of view, that was so phenomenal for me to be able to put my country on the map with regards to education and philanthropy. And then what was the highlight was being able to meet a plethora of beautiful and inspiring youth leaders from across the entire world. Because what they did is that they connected us. There was a private platform. They connected us on this platform And then they also enrolled us into the University of Cambridge for a certified leaders and leaders leading change course. And we spent a whole year virtually at Cambridge being certified in leadership, design thinking, um, which is ironic since I'm being interviewed by design (laughs) destination imagination. You guys specialize in, you know, design thinking with regards to education, all things fabulous in that regard. 
Um, and we got certified in all these incredible facets to make us even better leaders. So, and then the last thing that was so beautiful about it was that being connected to all of those youth leaders, that is actually how I was able then to make those global connections and institute global partners in all the continents of the world. And then, in, and then um, have my program implemented into those various countries. Well, congratulations again uh, on on that on that award. Um, and it sounds like uh, you you were sort of invested in even further, which is great. You know, it was not just um, a a special award that you got and then nothing happened. You actually were given an opportunity to to learn more, which is which is fantastic. And, you know, Cambridge is such a respected institution. So it sounds like you got a lot out of out of that experience. Now, Gabriel, I'd love to ask you. Was there a particular moment or or mentor or experience um, that inspired you to sort of take this journey? I know that you mentioned your mom and, and maybe that that is that person. Um, but is there uh, a, an, an experience that sort of led you to this uh, sort of point in your really quite young life um, now that that you've done so much already um, in just a, a short amount of time? What really inspired you to sort of take this this path or this journey? Honestly, and I'm happy that you mentioned my mom because that's exactly it. Along with God, I would say, you know, I believe in God. I believe in purpose. So, as I said, being an old soul, I just always knew that each of us, as human beings, we are meant for more. You know, I believe that all of us, we have a divine purpose on this earth and it's really just up to us to live our best and most fulfilling lives in order to actualize that. And, you know, my parents are both medical professionals, so I've literally grown up seeing them helping others and just seeing, you know, my mother take care of others and just be such a servant and that's why one of my favorite quotes is always I always tell people servant leadership being a leader is a servant so just having that mentality towards humanity um, and just having a family that valued education like my grandmother um, Erlen Bradshaw she was adamant about education like she she knew and especially you know in our country living in a post, especially at that time, post-colonial society, she knew that the only way for progression and upward mobility for women and for, you know, our family in general and people of color in general in this country would be education, right? And co correctly so. Mm -hmm. So she passed that on to my mother and my mother passed that on to me. So as I said, just growing up, in a culture, a family culture of seeing my mother, seeing my parents serve others in, in the best way possible. And especially at the vulnerable moments where they were ill, you know, there's nothing more vulnerable, you know, than being ill and having to tend to someone in, in, in those really raw and fragile moments. So having parents like that, you know, serving God and knowing that we are meant for more amalgamated to 
that moment where I just knew even at a young age that I wanted to spend the rest of my life giving back. I wanted to spend the rest of my existence pouring into others and making the world a better place. Because quite frankly, when we leave, we don't take anything with us. You know, we don't take anything with us, but we do leave a legacy. Right. And all of us have to sit and really ponder. And I want everyone who is listening to this interview or watching this interview to really think about that. Like, what are you leaving? You know, everything you've accumulated, you can't take with you. But what are you leaving? What can people say about you genuinely? You know, and I would want that people would say, you know, she was a servant and she did her best to make sure the world was a better place. So recognizing that from a young age and having parents who instill that and lived that philosophy was what really came together to have that snowball effect and create that moment where I knew that this was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Amazing. It sounds like you had really very supportive parents uh, yes. along <laughs> this journey, which is you know, really, really wonderful and, and a great testament to, to, to them as parents. Obviously you started a, a really ambitious project at such a young, young age. Um, and, and it sounds like you have had, you have had great success and you've had good support along the way. Um, but I'm curious at the time, did you, did you face any challenges because of your age? Um, and, and what advice might you give <laughs> you know, what advice might you give to young people who take on a big project like this at, at a, at a young age like yourself? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I always tell people, if you observe any story of triumph, there's always, there are always obstacles along the way. And for me, you know, at the genesis of the idea, the big idea, you know, uh, when the big idea came into you know, fruition, I went to the gatekeepers of education at the time and they didn't get it. You know, they didn't get it, quite frankly. Um, and they were of the opinion of, you know, like, why would we need something like this? We've done it this way all along. Um, you know, we don't need something new. We don't need to do this, which, which actually I'm glad that happened, you know, in retrospect, you know, hindsight is 2020. I'm actually really happy it happened that way because then, it allowed me to think on my feet, to be resourceful and to actually appreciate what has been built a lot more. Because, of course, I said I had to start with my allowance. I had it was myself and my mother who really, you know, stuck or dug our heels in to make this come alive. And by having those obstacles, which were very difficult, you know, convincing persons who, as I said, would have done things one way, they weren't interested in, you know, meritorious education, they weren't interested in seeing a different point of view, then it became, okay, I have to prove it to them because I know this can work. I know this can work. So, that it made me a tough cookie, <laughs> a very tough cookie at a young age. And it made me build determination and stamina to keep going. You know, in, in destination imagination, we, we 
promote um, what we call the four C's. And the four C's are communication, collaboration, critical thinking, and creativity. And I'm, I'm curious to know um, how you feel like you use the four C's or one of the C's, you don't have to, to mention all of them, but, but maybe one, one of these four C's that you use frequently in your work. Well, first of all, communication, communication, communication <laughs> is everything because, you know, I would, argue that I'd say a good 90% of our program is facilitated by, you know, virtual means. And 99% of my collaborations have come via social media. So using digital means of communication, being able to communicate succinctly um, and poignantly and to ensure a clear line of said communication is critical because, you know, the home center here is in Barbados, but we are managing different factions literally all over the world. And then creativity. That is, I would say, number one. Yeah, I could argue that's number one because we have to constantly in education, even COVID-19 taught us and taught the world a very brutal lesson in creativity and rolling with the punches and repivoting to do better and under very heavy circumstances. So we have had to be creative, switch a lot of our mentorship sessions, of course, online. Luckily for us, a lot of our work was virtual anyway. So it was just a matter of, you know, shifting and moving, reworking certain things to get everything on board again seamlessly. So creativity is key because education is always changing. Of course, with the advent of technology, there's always something new every year and something better or refined approach towards education. So creativity is what keeps us on our toes, keeps us relevant and keeps us progressing into the future. So that's how we use the four C's in our program. It, it sounds like you've got the four C's just everywhere. It, um, Gabrielle, we are at our last question. I know it's gone by so quickly. So um, quickly. <laughs> so quickly. It was so, such a pleasure to, to have you. Uh, the, the last question is what big idea currently excites you for the future? What is that big idea? So I'm so thrilled to use the Big Idea podcast to drop an exclusive. This is actually the first time I'm publicly speaking about the new initiatives that uh, our program is pivoting to include. So the big idea, you have all the exclusives right now. <laughs> <laughs> we so, love an exclusive. Love an exclusive, honey. So you know, we are pivoting to include and promote and reward mentorship and students and promote education in the legal and the STEM sectors. So the two new initiatives that we are you know, gearing up to bring live and direct to the world are the FEM STEM cohort and the FEM Let's cohort. So I'll explain quickly what those are. So the Femme Let's cohort, um, Femme, French for female or women, and Let's is the Latin word for law. And then 
femme, of course, women again, and STEM, of course, as we know, is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And these two programs are directed mainly at young women overall between the ages of 16 to 25, but primarily our focus would be young women of color because, you know, they they face the most disadvantages overall. You know, the racism, ageism, and sexism combined. And basically what these two programs are going to do is to provide educational resources, mentorship, and just overall um, resources and infrastructure to provide them with access to internships as well and um, employment opportunities in these fields, in the legal and the STEM fields. So basically it's going to be about 13 weeks long and every week they're going to be connected with mentors. Um, At the end of the program, they're going to have internships in the STEM and the legal fields. And then they're also going to be working with key entities. Um, We have the U.S. Embassy who's interested in this. We have UNICEF who's interested in this to really get them the help that they need. So those are two new programs that we are currently building and will be live very soon and that is our next big idea thank you so much (laughs) for joining us today gabrielle it it's been a pleasure to to chat with you and to hear uh more about your story and about the really incredible good work that you're doing uh, for students in Barbados and and around the world. Um, and Thank we look you. forward to supporting you as as you continue on this journey. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Andrew. You were incredible. Incredible as an interviewer. Uh, thank you to the whole team, Kelsey, who's behind the scenes, you know, working that she made this happen as well. And thank you to everyone at Destination Imagination for giving me this opportunity. As this is coming from a small country, you know, it can be hard to get that you know, global recognition and that global reach. So I am truly grateful. And, you know, hopefully we can do this again in the future. Yeah, we'd love to maybe get back together and hear um, how your first Fem STEM cohort goes. Absolutely. Yes, we'll do that. As soon as it's launched and everything's finished up, you know, and we get all the feedback, I know it's going to be just as inc- as awesome as the literacy program. Um, I We will definitely reconvene to discuss how that big idea, <laughs> how that big idea went and how everything transpired. We would like to acknowledge that this episode of What's the Big Idea was recorded on land originally inhabited and cultivated by the Kalinago, the Lenape, and Shawnee Nations. We are grateful for this land and for the people who have stewarded it for generations. This episode was produced by Kelsey Selleck with additional material provided by Donald Alfiero and Chris Beisel and music by Kevin McLeod. Special thanks to our guests, Gabrielle Gay for joining us today. You can learn more about Gabrielle and by checking her out on Twitter or Instagram at Gabrielle Gay underscore. To learn more about our show and about how Destination Imagination can fuel even more big ideas, please visit us at destinationimagination.org. I'm Andrew Whitmire. Thanks for listening to What's the Big Idea? The U.S.
U.S. Department of Labor estimates that 65% of today's students will be employed in jobs that have yet to be invented. We have no way of knowing what those jobs will entail. But we do know that the skills that will prepare them for success are the skills that they can develop through destination imagination. Hi, I'm Chris Beisel, Director of Training for Destination Imagination. I was a team manager for 15 years and 22 teams before I joined the staff. Being a team manager was the best thing that I did for all my children. Destination Imagination, or DI, is an international project-based competition that reinforces the four C's, communication, collaboration, critical thinking, and creativity. You probably heard about those skills in today's episode, and DI is the place where kids like yours develop those skills for themselves. Students work together in small teams to create solutions to a challenge. DI's team challenges fall into one of seven categories, scientific, technical, engineering, fine arts, improvisation, service learning, and for our younger children, early learning. A DI team selects one of those seven challenges and prepares a solution to present to the local tournament. Throughout the experience, students create projects, solve problems, build relationships, learn new concepts, and have a great time in the process. We're building the workforce of the future. Today's DI participants are tomorrow's innovators, problem solvers, and leaders. If that sounds like a good fit for you and the young people in your life, we would love to have you join us. To get started today, visit DestinationImagination.org slash learn more.